Hello, and thank you for tuning in and listening to Mosley's Bench. This show has been created and designed by former judge Fred M. Mosley. Please stay connected as you will learn more about the laws of life, how it applies to your life, and so much more. Buckle in. May we bow. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hello, fellow listeners. This is Alexis with Mosley's Bench. And today our topic is going to be spiritual law and mosaic law. Here on the bench, I have... His honor, Judge Mosley and Anita. Verse 3 says, you shall have no other gods before me. And verse 4 says, you shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers above the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands that love me and keep my commandments. I'm going to hand the show over to you, Judge Mosley. Thank you, Alexis. Spiritual law and the Mosaic law. Most Christians have heard it said that we are not under law, but we are under grace. I'm going to repeat that. Most Christians have heard it said, and they may have said it themselves, that we are not under law, but we are under grace. My question to this is, what do they mean by the word law in this context? And how can they say this when it is clear that everything that God does is based upon a fixed law? Now, I ask this question of those who may be listening to us and Anita and Uh, Alexis, I ask the two of you the same question. Can you think of anything that God does that does not involve a natural, physical, or a spiritual law? For example, let's look around the room that each of us are seated in. And the chair that, if we're seated on a chair, the chair that we're seated on. There's certain laws that have to be operable in order for that chair to hold our weight. There are physical laws that are involved, even with the chair. If you have the light on in your room, there are some physical laws, some laws that govern electricity that have a positive side and a negative side that come into play in order for the lights to operate properly. Now, if you get on the wrong side of the law of electricity, then what can happen? You can be shocked, and you can even be killed. 
but there's some absolute laws that govern the function of electricity. So if, if, if you have your air conditioner on in the room, there's certain mechanical laws that have to function properly in order for that air conditioner to work for you. Your computer. Your, laws are involved in that computer, intake and outgo. Law, song, and reasoning is actively involved with that computer, uh, your cell phone. My point here is that in order for a person to appreciate what we share in this Laws of Life series, they must first accept the fact that the God that we serve is a legalist and he does everything, not some things, not most things, not many things, but he does everything according to one or more fixed laws. I can give you numerous examples. Even the plant kingdom, plants just don't sprout up on their own. There's certain laws that have to be working in cooperation with each other in order for that plant to grow. You have to have a seed. You have to have water. You have to have minerals. You have to have light, all of that. All of those physical laws and chemical laws have to come together in order for that plant to grow. The lower animal kingdom, let's take an ant heel. An ant can't just go out, go out and develop helter skelter and ant heel. That ant heel is designed based upon certain physical laws that even the ant has to follow. The spider web, same principle. So my point here is that everything that God does, he does according to one of his, not ours, but one of his six laws. Now, it never ceases to amaze me that how can a human being accept the fact that laws are involved in everything, every other component of life and have the impression that there are no laws that God has made that govern us? So let's look into this just a little deeper. Now, when the Apostle Paul uses the word law in Romans 8, 2, what law is he referring to? Is he referring to the Mosaic law? Or is he referring to what we refer to as a law of life or a spiritual law, also known as a kingdom law? So, Anita and Alexis, I assume that you're following me thus far and you're probably storing up some questions that you're praying to propound on me a little later that perhaps uh, you have a comment concerning what we've already covered. But let's go back, uh, let's go to the Garden of Eden for a moment. And let's see if there are any kingdom laws that were in effect in the Garden. Now, we clearly understand that what took place in the Garden was before the Mosaic Law. What took place in the garden was before the law of Moses. So let's look at what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. And let's see if we can pull some laws out of what occurred in the garden of Eden. Now, Adam and Eve were under the law of the spirit of life. You may ask the question, how can I say that? Well, they were designed created, that is, to live forever. 
They were under the law of the spirit of life. And the law of sin and death was held in abeyance. God said to them that they would be under the law of the spirit of life unless and until they violated or they were disobedient by taking partaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Otherwise, in the garden, we can see clearly that Adam and Eve were under a law. And the law that they were under was not the Mosaic law, because Mosaic law didn't come until much later. They were under the law of life in the garden. Let's, let's look at another law of life that Adam and Eve were under. They were under the law of notice and warning. That's the law we've already touched upon in our series. And if we have not, we will get to it in this teaching series that we're sharing. The law of notice and warning. They were given notice that if they obeyed and did not eat of the forbidden truth, that they would live forever, but they were also given warning that if they did, if they violated what God had ordered in that particular situation, they would activate the law of sin and death. All of this is taking place in the garden before the Mosaic law. The law of provision. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Right there in the garden. Everything they needed was already provided. It was there in the garden. When, when God created Adam and pulled Eve out of his side, everything they needed was there for their enjoyment. The law of resistance and non-resistance. We talked about it, I think, a few sessions ago. When they were, when Eve was approached by the serpent, she could have resisted what the serpent suggested that she do by way of eating of the forbidden fruit right there in the garden. The law of resistance and non-resistance is right there. The law of prayer in the garden because Adam and Eve had direct access to fellowshipping and talking with God the Father. The law of accountability and responsibility was present in the garden because they were held responsible for their obedience or their disobedience. I'm going to run through a few more very quickly. The law of health. They were going to be healthy forever if they did, if they did not disobey. The law of agreement. As long as they came in agreement with what God commanded them to do, they were going to be fine in the garden. We've talked about the law of reward, I think, on yesterday. Their reward was life everlasting in the garden. The law of the gift was there. The law of mercy was active. The law of God's sovereignty. The law of authority. The law of escape was present in the garden. The law of success, work, worship, the law of forfeiture. That if they disobeyed, they would forfeit the law of life in the garden and the law of imputation. And what happened there? What they did when they disobeyed, it was imputed to us, and, and the entire human race was brought under the law of sin and death. So you may ask, why did I go through all of that? It was because we're trying to establish that there were laws that God had already instituted before the Mosaic law was given to mankind. So I submit for your consideration that the Apostle Paul 
in Romans and Romans eight and two is not referring to the Mosaic law, but the Apostle Paul is referring to a law of life or a spiritual law in Romans eight two. Kingdom Jeff, law. Um, Jeff, for a minute. I'm not sure everybody understands what Mosaic law is. The Mosaic law is the law from God given to Moses in the book of Exodus, whereas when God had written on tables of stone and gave those Ten Commandments to Moses to give to the children of Israel. And that is what is referred to as the Mosaic Law. And the reason we're going through this is that there are many believers who are of the impression that we are under, we're still under the Mosaic Law. And I suggest that a different approach to that could very well, a different understanding of that could very well be reached. And that's what we're endeavoring to do in comparing the Mosaic law with the laws of light uh, are the, our spiritual laws, our kingdom laws, which we prefer to refer to them as. So when Adam and Eve violated the word of God, then not only did they come under the law of sin and death, but the entire human race was brought under sin and death because it was imputed to mankind. Now, the Ten Commandments and the other Mosaic laws were given because when man failed, man then did not have those kingdom laws written on their heart because they fell into, fell under the law then of sin and death. So then, what happened for us? This is why Jesus had to come. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because his death, burial, resurrection, then he paid the price, the death penalty for us. As a result of him paying that death penalty, then he brought us back under the law of the spirit of life, now the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And these laws of life that we're sharing, these laws of life, once you become a as a believer, these laws of life then are written on your heart. You may ask, how to, what do I mean by that? They're written on your heart is because if you're truly a child of God, when you do something that violates one of these laws of life, your heart will prick you in that regard. You may not know exactly what law of life it was touching upon, but we talked about on yesterday, uh, yes, yesterday, if I recall correctly, we talked about the law of reward. And we talked about the fact that if, I'm, if we're doing something for the purpose of man's accolades, that we've already gotten our reward, which is in, from our Father, which is in heaven. If we violate the law of notice and warning, that our conscience, will cause us to know that we're missing a notice or we're violating a warning that God is trying to bring us. In other words, when we come to be born again with the Spirit of God living in us, we don't have to have a table of stone with the, the thou shalt not 
on the table table of stone as it was with the mosaic. So in other words, what Jesus did is that he merged the mosaic law back under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and that's where it ought to be in the first place. There are lesser and there are higher laws throughout the kingdom of God. And the lesser, lesser laws can be brought in and brought under the more prominent laws. In this instance, the highest law is the law of the spirit of life in Christ, in Christ Jesus. And I would suggest that then all of the Mosaic laws would fit under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And perhaps you recall something that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said in Matthew five seventeen. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy the law. He's referring to the Mosaic now. I am not come to destroy the law. I am I'm not come to destroy the Mosaic, but to fulfill the Mosaic. That is to bring it under the law of life, of the laws of life that God had initiated in the Garden of Eden. Now, I acknowledge that this is not a simple or easy subject to grasp. But we're trying as best we can to make the body of Christ aware of the fact that we are under the law of the spiritual life in Christ Jesus. And in observing those laws, operating on the positive side of those laws, under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that all, the mosaic, all of the mosaic merges into and under the laws of life, which we're sharing with our listeners and refreshing our recollection as to the difference between the mosaic and the laws of life. So my position, and it's based upon what the spirit of the Lord has revealed to me, and I don't say this in any way to cause anyone else to feel this is a put-down, as it relates to them. But the understanding that I have as it relates to these laws of life and the Mosaic law, that I am not under the Mosaic law because all the Mosaic law, the laws of Moses, are brought under these laws of life which God has written on our hearts as believers. So okay. I hope that wasn't too confusing, but it's complicated. Okay. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. Today you are listening to former Judge Fred M. Mosley as he talks about and educates us about one of his laws of life. To find out about all 50 laws of life, please go to anotherchancemedia.org and pre-order his book and workbook. And we are back. And just mostly, we have about 10 minutes left in the show. So I wanted to ask you a question about the Mosaic Law. So you mentioned that the Mosaic Law came later when God himself gave the Ten Commandments to Moses to spread time. So we are well aware that one of those commandments is thou shall not kill. So my curiosity is what happens when man breaks a commandment? For example, if you had a person who unfortunately did 
kill another human being and is sent to prison. But in prison, he found the word of God. So would God forgive him for breaking a commandment? Very good question. First of all, if first of all, God will forgive because that's what Jesus caused to flow to us, forgiveness of our sins. But so many believers confuse forgiveness with the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. It does not cause us to avoid the consequences. Now, it does not affect our eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but part of the consequences is having to deal with man's law. And that law could mean life in prison. It could mean, in some states, the death penalty. So, and the reason your question is so appropriate is that some of the impression, if I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, it purges me of all the sins, past, present, and future. But where they make the mistake is that they are the impression that it also purges me from the consequences of my sins consequences other than eternity with my Lord and Savior. Any other consequences, I could have to bear those consequences on this side of heaven. So when I violate a law of life and or if I violate one of man's laws, there's still consequences that flow from it. And I think it's very misleading. And many ministers, and I must admit, seem to fall into this category. They give, whether intentionally or unintentionally, the impression that once I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, everything that I did in the past is wiped out. It's cleared up. I have I have a clean yes you do, as it relates to your salvation, as it relates to your spending uh eternity in the presence of our Lord and Savior, but it does not void out the consequences of the sin that was permitted committed. For instance, have you been around individuals who maybe were what they refer to as a heavy drinker? And they drank for years, or they took drugs for years. Oftentimes, in fact, most times, the residual, what they have done to their bodies, is still apparent. They're saved, they're going to heaven, but they're still paying a price with respect to how they abuse their bodies with respect to those substances that were not good for them. So, again, in order to try to answer, answer your question, it's a question that really needs to be addressed in the body of Christ more often than it is. There's one pastor that I'm aware of who makes, makes this very clear, and I don't know whether you're familiar with Manada or Anita, familiar with this pastor, is uh, Charles Stanley. Stanley makes it clear that you can, you can be saved, but you still have to pay the consequences of what you did in this body. Use myself as an example. I was a believer when I was on the bench. I was studying for the ministry. I shortcut it, and I received something I should not have received while I was on the bench. I went to jail for seven years and four months. I was born again, and knowing that I was going to spend eternity with my Lord. But nevertheless, I had a price to pay on this side. So there are consequences. 
even um, for the belief. Um, the Mosaic laws were given to instruct people, right? To train yes. them because they're kind of simple. And it's pretty clear you don't kill somebody, you don't lie, you don't steal. It's easier to understand those than the spiritual laws. Do you think that's why he gave them on the to Moses? Well, you make another good point, Anita. I think God has used the, uh, the Mosaic, and they refer to the Mosaic law as a schoolmaster. It was very, in very simple form because the, this humanity was fallen. It was under the, the law of sin and death. And God just had to make it simple to say, as you do with a small child, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. And the point that you make, I think, is a very valid point, is that it was put in simple form because they were dealing, and this may sound a little crude, but by some fallen, simple-minded individuals. And it kind of well, helped, it helped society to have some kind of order as well. And it did. And that was another purpose of the mosaic. Just mostly, we have about four minutes left. Well, what we hope to accomplish today, and I'm certain those who may be listening who have heard or have adhered to the fact all of their lives that we are under the Mosaic Law. In fact, many buildings that you enter even now is that they have hanging on the wall the Ten Commandments. And there's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments, and I'm not speaking against the Ten Commandments. I'm just... The word says, as it relates to the Mosaic law, if you violate one of them, you have broken them all. So if I allow myself to be brought under the Mosaic law, which is a much greater and a much higher law than we can be, that we can be under now, that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, why would I subject myself to a lesser law Whereas if I violate any component of it, then I'm held responsible for the entirety of the Mosaic Law, which extends much farther than just the Ten Commandments. There are hundreds of ceremonial laws that come along with the Ten Commandments. But it just amazes me how many in the body of Christ are still holding to the proposition as believers we are still under the Mosaic Law. And what we're hopeful that our listeners will get from what we're sharing today is that there's some higher laws. And one of the highest laws is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And the Apostle Paul clearly understood, as a, as a scholar that he was, the difference between the Mosaic law and the laws of life or spiritual law or kingdom laws. And we want our listeners to become kingdom-minded. One of the exercises that hopefully we'll incorporate in our Laws of Life Academy would be those who attend Laws of Life Academy and want to uh, achieve a certificate of some kind indicating that they have successfully covered the course would be is that that student would have to take any given fact situation and draw the laws of life that apply 
to that fact situation. You can take a fact situation and draw not just one law of life, but sometimes four or five laws of life from that particular fact situation. That's going to be one of the requirements. The same thing that we did today, differentiating between the mosaic and the law of life, looking at what took place in Genesis and what took place in the garden and drawing 15 or 20 laws of life that were present in the garden. And in order for one to be able to differentiate between the mosaic law and the law of life, is that they have, a, have to have a clear understanding that the laws of life were instituted well before the Mosaic law. And once Jesus did what he did for us, that we're no longer under the Mosaic law, but we're under a higher law which incorporates all of the Mosaic laws. Well, well unfortunately, listeners, that is all the time we have here. At Mosley's Bench, we encourage to join us next time for a brand new topic. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Mosley's Bench with former Judge Fred M. Mosley. To get more information on Fred M. Mosley, Mosley's Bench, The Laws of Life, or the nonprofit organization Justice Ministries, please tune in to the website at lawsoflifecourt.com or justiceministriesintl.com. Once again, that's lawsoflifecourt.com or justiceministriesintl.com. Thank you.